Well, good evening. If you have your Bibles, would you turn over to Exodus 6-6, Exodus 6-6. I'm excited to be with you all tonight. Uh, it's truly an honor and really just a privilege to be here at First Baptist Church. Kind of a dream come true for me personally. I grew up in Wildemar, California, and um, I've been attending youth conferences since I was young. I snuck into a few pastor schools during my teen years, and then I came to Bible college here in 2010. I met my wife in Bible college and then graduated in 2013. Pastor Wilkerson gave me my diploma, and um, now it's just amazing that I get the opportunity to introduce the ministry that I serve at and love and work with to a church that's been so influential in my life personally. So again, just a dream come true, just a, a unique opportunity that I have tonight, and I'm really privileged for it. After I graduated from college, I was a youth pastor for two years. And um, I remember when the children's home came and they sang at our church uh, a little bit about me. I'm a crier. I just am. If I hear a good sermon illustration, I'm going to tear up. If there's a good special, I'm going to cry. There's a commercial with a dog in it. <laughs> if I stub my toe, I mean, that's just, I, that's who I am. So I remember when the kids came and they were giving their testimonies and singing. I was just in the back of the service just crying. Afterwards, I went to my wife and I said, I think God's calling us to Hope Children's Home. We went on the website, and at the time, we were only hiring for house parents, and I was 22. I'd never even raised a puppy. Um, I think I kept a goldfish alive one time, and so I thought, there's no way they'll hire us, but they were desperate, so my wife and I, we came on staff as relief house parents, and we've just loved every minute of it. It really is the ministry that we are called for, and again, it's just so incredible that I get to be here while we introduce you all to such a great and unique ministry that we have over there in Florida. So thank you for having us. We really do uh, look forward to it. And I, I pray tonight was already a blessing just with the songs and the testimonies. I'm excited the children are going to sing one last song um, when we're through here. If you have your Bibles, Exodus 6.6. 6. Exodus 6.6. 6. The Bible says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. And I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I'll give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Could you imagine hearing this if you were an Israelite slave? I mean, really picture it. A life of bondage. Cruelty. A few verses later, the Bible tells us that they didn't believe this message because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. That's how bad of a life it was. Their spirits were broken. They were hurt. Just an awful life to live. I mean, really put yourself in their day-to-day -day life. You wake up in the morning and you go off to a manual labor job. In a country that's not your country, for a God that's not your God's, serving a king that's not your king. And you work hard, and if you don't do it fast enough, the taskmaster is going to beat you. At the end of the day, you stagger home and you just pray that everyone in your family will make it home safe that night. I mean, it was a horrific life that this life of slavery had brought on to these people. Could you imagine the stories that the 80-year-old women would tell about how when they were little girls, 
I don't know if they had school in Egypt, but if you walked into an Israelite classroom, there'd be a grade, two grades, six grades. We don't know how long. Or if you walked in, it'd only be girls in that classroom. Maybe from third to sixth grade. You see them playing out on the streets, and there are no boys from nine to 12 years old. Well, why not? Pharaoh had them all killed. It's kind of like a science fiction movie. Walking into a room of just girls, and there are, there's a gap, an age gap, where there are no boys that age. What a horrible life. You know, I, I said I met my wife at college, and I remember when I first asked her out, fortunately, she said yes. Uh, if she had said no, it would have hurt my pride a little bit. Um, I would have been upset, but I would have gotten over it. I didn't really know her that well. After six months of dating, if she had come to me and said it wasn't working out and pulled one of those cliche breakup lines, it's not you, it's me, or the Lord told me to break up with you, and if she had broken up with me then, I mean, I would have hurt, but again, I would have gotten over it. Nothing a Hallmark movie and a tub of ice cream wouldn't have gotten me through. I would have been okay. But after three years of dating, when I got down on one knee and I proposed to her, now if she had said no then, that would have hurt a bit different. Because at that point, I was in love with her. Now we've been married for going on 10 years. We've been in a relationship for 13 years. God forbid, if anything were to happen to her today, I don't know if I would get over that. Because I've grown to love her through the years. But you know, there was one lady that I didn't have to grow to love. The first time I held her in my arms, all of my love poured out on her. I didn't grow to love her from day one to this day. I have not loved her more, and that's obviously my daughter. First time I held her, I just poured out all my love on her. And the same with my son. Now, could you imagine what should be one of the happiest days in your life as you hold your little baby and with horror you realize that it's a son and Pharaoh's going to kill that child? These people had a horrible life that they were living. They were broken people that were hurting. And here comes Moses. This is who he's speaking to. We're going to pray and we're going to look at the verses quickly. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, just for allowing us to be in your house, God. I pray you just please use your word. Lord, please use me, God. Just please bless this time we have together. May everything that's said and done be pleasing and honoring to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Moses comes and he gives this, we'll call it a message of hope. He gives four action statements. And the first one is, I will bring you out from under the burdens. I will bring you out from under the burdens. Now, I don't know what your situation in this room is. If you are burdened, if there's something that's keeping you awake at night, if you're struggling with something, but I would love to come up here and preach a prosperity gospel. I really would. I would love to say, hey, if you're struggling with something, just pray about it and God will take it away. But I've seen too many people die of cancer, too many good people that we prayed for, that we anointed. I've seen too many deacons in the church lose their business and become financially inept, go bankrupt. Good godly men. And they were burdened and they prayed that God would relieve that stress and it never came. You know, unfortunately, God... His ways are not our ways. Not unfortunately, but God's ways are not our ways. And we kind of view him as a genie in a lamp. That we're burdened and God will remove our burdens. But it doesn't always work that way. You know, but I do know that he cares for us. I do know that he tells us to cast our care to him. I do know that he'll walk through the burdens with us. It may not be how we thought it would be. It not, may not be what we expected. 
but he will be there for us. And I've also seen him turn burdens into blessings, especially at Hope. There was a little lady named uh, Nellie. She was young when she came into the home. She was from Honduras. And Nellie says that when she was born, her mother left her. She doesn't know her birth mother. And her father left her at such a young age, she didn't even recognize him when he came back a few years later. She grew up predominantly with her grandmother. And then one day, this man, who was her father, showed up and took her from Honduras and flew her to America. Well, during that time that he was away from Nellie, he had started a whole new family. He had already remarried. He had three other children. And he dropped Nellie off in America in a new country, in a new school, not even speaking the language, and in a new family. Nellie didn't get along with her stepmom, so he ended up dropping her off at Hope Children's Home. And I talked to Nellie, and I asked permission to tell her story, and she told me that she would pray that God would reunite their family. She would pray that God would bring her biological father back to her. All she wanted was a family. All she wanted was a daddy. And she said she'd be at the Hope Children's Home wondering why couldn't she have that traditional family, and she said she'd pray for it. Nellie got married a few years back. She's grown now, and I wish I could tell you that her father walked her down the aisle, but he didn't. It was actually the executive director at Hope Children's Home. Dr. Mike Higgins was the one who walked her down the aisle. And I don't know why God didn't bring that family back together. But I do know Nellie is on staff now at Hope Children's Home. And she works as a cottage parent. And there's no other staff member on property that can relate to the children as well as she can. There's no other staff member that's ever felt alone like she has. There's no other staff member that's ever felt abandoned like she has. And she's turned her burden into a blessing. And God is using her in a mighty way just to relate and care and love on those children and give them that parental figure that she never had. And it's incredible to see. What else does Moses say? He says, I will bring you out from under your burdens. I will rid you out of their bondage. These people were slaves in Egypt, captured. Now, Egypt has always been a picture of sin. Some Christians are slaves, captured, tangled up in sin. We're stuck to it. That besetting sin that just keeps tripping us up, the addiction that holds us back. Sometimes with willpower, we'll say, you know what, that's it, I'm done, I'm tired of it, I'm gonna get through it, and then we mess up again. And then we find ourselves just falling into that same trap over and over again, getting to the point where we're disgusted with the person we've become. We hate to look in the mirror, and we're just trapped in bondage. But you know what God says? He says, I will relieve you of that bondage. And how does he say it? Well, with the third action item, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. I love the picture there. I love how he phrases that, with a stretched out arm. I don't know if that was foreshadowing the cross with arms stretched out or saying, I will stretch out my arm so far to Egypt, to a slave, and I will redeem you. The same way he stretched out his arm to redeem me as a little boy. The same way he's still stretching out his arm to redeem us and to free us from bondage. What a beautiful picture of salvation this message of hope was spoken thousands of years ago. But if it stopped there, it would still be perfect. But he goes on to one more. He says, and I will take you to me for a people. You know, what do you say to the children who come into Hope Children's Home? What do you say to the broken-hearted ones, the ones who have lost faith in humanity? What do you say to Amaya who had scars from her wrist all the way up to her elbow? 
where her mother's boyfriend, as a form of punishment, poured boiling water on her arm. What do you tell her? What do you tell Sean, who, when he was four years old, he walked into the dilapidated trailer he was living in and found his father's body as he had overdosed on drugs? Four years old, walking in to find his father had died. What do you tell a little boy like that? What do you tell the brokenhearted? It's the same message that Moses told those brokenhearted Israelites. There is a God who will relieve your bondage. There is a God who will help you through your burdens. There is a God who will redeem you with a stretched out arm. And lastly, there is a God who loves you so much, he wants to be your father. He wants you to be his child. And he will reach down all the way to Egypt to find slaves. He will reach down all the way to Hope Children's Home. It's the same message Moses shared with those Israelites. It's the same message we share with the children at Hope Children's Home. In fact, young people, as a form of testimony, how many of you have heard that message since living at Hope? Would you stand up and accepted Christ as your Savior since living at Hope? Thank you, young people. You can sit down. It's not a program we can develop. It's not an education we can give them. There's nothing we personally can provide these children that will change their lives. You heard their testimonies. Not all of them shared it, but some of the most horrible stories of how these people ended up at Hope Children's Home. And there's nothing that we physically can give them. It's all the Lord. The way that they can stand up here and sing, it's because of God. Because he loved them enough to redeem them. And you may be sitting here today and you may say, we're at First Baptist Church. We've heard salvation testimony or sermons before. We're very familiar. Maybe today you just need to cue in on one of those points. There's something you're burdened with, something that keeps you awake at night that you're struggling with. Maybe there's something you have bondage over, a besetting sin that just keeps messing you up. Maybe tonight you've never been redeemed, and you may say, I do want a heavenly father that would reach down to me. Or lastly, if those three points aren't applicable to you, then the last one should be for all of us. Just to say, thank you, Lord, that you would love us enough to want us to be part of your family. Do we wake up every day saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that I can be part of your family? Last story, and I'll close. There's a little boy in our home named Colton. His story is unique. He's only a year and a half years old now. But Colton was actually signed into our home. It's the first child ever that was signed into our home before he was born. His mother was arrested, and she went into the prison system. She had to take a pregnancy test, and unbeknownst to her, she was pregnant. The state really pushed her to get an abortion. But she didn't want to end her son's life, so she decided to keep the baby. Um, They were going to put him directly into foster care and into the system, but she wanted better for him, so she found out about Hope Children's Home, and before Colton was even born, she signed him into our home. Now, Colton, when he was born, he came into our home, and typically, we would put him in the cottage or the boys' dorm. We'd have a nice crib and nursery set up for him, but there was a staff member that stepped up, and they had a child similar age to Colton. He's two months older than Colton, and they stepped up, and they said they wanted Colton to live in their apartment. And Colton's a year and a half old now, and if you walk in to Nellie and DJ, Nellie the Honduras lady that is using her burden as a blessing now, if you walk into her house, you walk into her son's room, and in her son's room, there's not just one crib, but there's two, where Colton was invited into their family. And he knows no other life, he knows no other family than the family that they brought him into. And I can only imagine when Colton grows up and we tell him how he was going to be aborted he was saved. 
He was going to be without a family, but a family reached out to him. I would just pray that he'd be thankful for it. And more so than Colton's story is us, that there's a heavenly father that wanted us to be part of his family. Every day, may we wake up and just be so grateful for the opportunity we have to have a heavenly father. Unlike the children at our home, it is not an abusive, abandoning father who has neglected his children, but is the children who have neglected their father. I just pray today that we are so grateful that God loved us. He will relieve our burdens. He will rid us of bondage. He will redeem us with a stretched out arm, and he will take us to be his people.